born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. I want you to take your Bible, turn with me to the book of Hebrews and chapter 11. Hebrews and chapter 11. I want to talk to you about something that I've never done before on a Sunday morning, but I'm going to do it today. I'm going to talk to you about somebody. In chapter 11, we often call this the Hall of Faith chapter. You've heard of the Hall of Fame? This is the Hall of Faith, where God lists various individuals throughout the Old Testament and kind of brags on them. And as he brags on all these people, there's something that he does not do. So from verse 4, when he says, by faith, Abel, and verse 5, by faith, Enoch, Verse 7, by faith, Noah. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham. And then he says in verse 20, by faith, Jacob or Isaac. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph. Verse 23, by faith, Moses. And in verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho, dealing with Joshua. And as he goes down through here, but he doesn't mention any of their faults. Because, see, when God keeps the books in heaven, he doesn't write down your faults. He talks about David, but he doesn't mention any of the things that he did that wasn't right. Isn't that wonderful? In other words, it's like God forgot all about those. And he's pulling out when they live by faith, what they accomplish by faith. Now, we know that when we get to heaven, God's going to reward us for what we've done. We're just going to like the rewards that we could have had but we messed up. And all of God's children, wouldn't it be great if we could all serve the Lord faithfully all of our life, but the majority of Christians, they stumble and they fall. And so therefore, we don't always walk with the Lord as we should. Sometimes we we mess up. Sometimes we are like Jonah. We run from the Lord. So I want you to take your Bible and look in the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy in chapter 2. God is a God of forgiveness. He is a God of second chance and third chance and fourth chance. And you can always serve the Lord with whatever time you have left. Here in the book of um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. Just because somebody has their faith overthrown, as he says in verse 18, who concerning the truth have erred saying that the resurrection has overthrow the faith of some. So you can be saved today and have questions and doubts tomorrow. 
You can walk with the Lord today and not walk with him tomorrow. You can love the Lord today and fall in love with the world tomorrow. You need to understand it because that's just the truth of the word of God. It is the will of God that we always serve the Lord. That's what he wants. But God will permit his children to do wrong, not with his blessings, but God may have to chasten and discipline us. So can you live the way you please? Yes, you can. But you cannot escape the consequences of our bad decisions. So he makes a statement in verse 19, the last part of it. He says, the Lord knoweth them that are his, having this ill. The Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ do what? Depart from iniquity. It's the will of God that his children turn from sin. You don't tell a lost man to do that. Only believers. Because you see, to turn from sin takes power steering. And they don't have the power. So you trust Christ as Savior first. Then as a child of God, it is the will of God for us as his children to depart from iniquity. But just because we have the power to do so, and just because it is the will of God that we do so, doesn't mean that we always do so. Otherwise, there would be none of God's children that would be disobedient or rebellious, and therefore there would be no chastening of the child of God. After the whole of faith chapter in Hebrews 11 is the, the chastening chapter in chapter 12 of what God can do to his children that are disobedient. So can a child of God become disobedient? Yes, he can. But now notice what he says in verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. So a man who wants to bring honor to the Lord must purge himself of the things that would be dishonoring to the Lord. That's a choice you can make. And you may do that, you may not. And that's why he says, you're set apart, sanctified, and meet are fit for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. You see, but that's a choice you make. You're the one that has to determine, am I going to be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor? So then he says here in verse 22, flee also youthful lust. Goes down here and he makes some statements about perhaps people don't flee. So he says in verse 25, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves because some people are against themselves. They just don't know it. They make decisions that are hurting themselves. They're putting scars on themselves while they're young that when they get old, they won't have no feeling, no sensitivity. And a lot of people have ruined their lives because of making bad decisions that they didn't think would have the consequences. Most older people, when we get older, we suffer the consequences of those wild oats that we sowed when we were young. And you know it's true. And so he says here, in verse 25, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance, a change of mind to the acknowledging of the truth. Now, how do you mess up your life? Believe in a lie. How do you straighten up your life? Believe in the truth. So you're the one that decides whether or not for your life to believe truth or to believe a lie. You can be a vessel that's fit for the master to use today. And you can do something tomorrow that can dishonor your life and dishonor God, and God may not use you tomorrow. And God could put you on a shelf. You could have been used, but God says, no, you got some more trimming to do. you got some more preparation to do. 
And that's why he says in verse 26, and they that, that they may recover themselves out of the what? Snare of the devil. So is it possible for God's children to be snared by the devil? Yes, it is. And if you can be snared by the devil, it means the devil can devour you. Eat up your life. Eat up all that time you have. And take and strip you of all of your, I guess you could say, uh, drain you of your uh, virtues. Drain you of your characteristics that are like God. It's amazing what the power the devil can have. But notice, he says, who are taken captive by him at his will. See, the only way he can capture you is with a lie. And the only way you can free yourself is with the truth. So when you study the word of God, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. The word of God is the truth. Christ says, I am the way, the truth. And he says, I am the life. means I am eternal life. That's also mentioned in 1 John in chapter 5. He is the true God and he's eternal life. So I want to um, explain a couple things to you. There's a man that I know. I met him in 1964. His name was Dr. A. Ray Stanford. How many of you have ever heard of Dr. A. Ray Stanford? Let me see your hand. Look around. That's most of the people in this room. There's probably a few of you that have never heard of him. Ray Stanford is the one that influenced me an awful lot. Ray Stanford is the one who influenced Hank Lindstrom. He led Hank to the Lord. This ministry would not be here today if it wasn't for that one man of years ago that led Hank to the Lord. I've had a privilege of being with Dr. Hank Lindstrom on many occasions. So sometimes God uses the story of people's lives, just like when you read the Bible and you go back to the Old Testament, you study of people's lives. What God did with them, what they accomplished by faith in God, and then when they disobeyed God, the consequences. And it's throughout the scriptures. We always like to talk about the good part of whatever anybody does. I've done many funerals. I have never seen yet where the pastor stands up there, and there's the body there, and there's the family sitting there, and then you tell how bad he was. <laughs> well, this rat thing's probably burning in hell today. <laughs> this one guy was standing there bragging about this guy. Ah, what a great man he was. A great father. A great husband. And his wife punched the kid and says, go up there and look at that cast and see who's in there. So let me tell you this. I met Dr. A. Ray Stanford in 1964 at the Summer Youth Ranch Camp in Boca Raton, Florida. I had the privilege of going there. And I was going to do some gold stamping in order to pay my way. And that's where I stamped names on everybody's Bible. And I made a little money and paid my way. And uh, by the end of the week, I was desirous, I'm going to go to Florida Bible College. I made up my mind. I sat there in one meeting where they had a concert night in this great big million-dollar auditorium. Ira Eshelman was in charge of Bible time. He did devotion for NFL football teams. So he was a well-known individual all over. And he was in charge of Bible time. And they let Ray and the kids use that auditorium on that one night and put on a program. And they invited all the people from the... I sat there and I watched... The Firehouse Five. First time I've ever seen the Firehouse Five. And Ray played the bass and other ones playing guitars and so forth. And they, they were playing Saints Go Marching In and 
this little light of mine. And, and so I sat back in the back in the corner, and I sat there, and I cried. And I thought, I wish Betty was here. I wish Betty was here to see this. And he gave the gospel so clear, so simple. Anybody could understand it. I'd never seen this before. And I thought, I'm coming to college here. So anyway, I went back and I told Betty, I says, guess what? We're going to Florida Bible College. She says, what? Because I had just got her to Tennessee Temple. And now I've changed my mind again. We lived in over five states in a year and a half after we got married. I was like a gypsy, very unsettled. Boom, 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 boom. I made my decisions quick. I never think about the consequences down the road. But anyway, it was one of the smartest decisions that I ever met. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Ephesians in chapter 2. The reason for looking at these two verses is because Ray Stanford took these two verses and parlayed them into a multi-million dollar ministry. He even had Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 when he had some dental work done. It's engraved. 2, 8, and 9 is on his tooth. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and these are the two verses. Make sure you look at them. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This was so very important. It was really like this is the foundation of the Florida Bible College. This was what we were all taught. Salvation, going to heaven, is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And therefore, we were stripped away all kinds of terminology, works, that people throw in there because it had nothing to do with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's like listening to a, a hearing uh, about an impeachment and people can bring in all these other things that has absolutely nothing to do with what they're being accused of. God says this is by grace and turning from sin doesn't qualify. Being good doesn't qualify. That cannot save you, not of works, lest any man should boast. It doesn't depend upon how you live to get it, and it doesn't depend on how you live to keep it. You're saved by grace, and you are kept by grace. Well, Ray burned that into our minds because he took those two verses, and he had a branding iron, and he branded it into your brain every time you heard him. That's all you hear is Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I listened to him preach every time he preached, and Ephesians 2, 8, 9 always was burning into his mind and burning into the minds of the people there. And he was copyable. What it means is it was easy to copy him because he wasn't that dynamic. He could tell a few jokes, but it was the same ones over and over and over again. And we often wondered, does he ever get any new jokes? Because we needed them. Because we had ministries and we had to keep telling the same old jokes that he taught us. And so we finally had to learn to get some of our own. One of the greatest things that people do for me, it seems like every year somebody has to get me a, a book on jokes. I appreciate those who are trying to help my ministry. But in 1966 or so, I became the director of the youth group on Sunday night at Race Church, Grove Community Church. Then I became the co-director of the Christian Youth Ranch Ministry with Mike Schaefer. For about two years, we did that. So there's opportunities that I had to watch and to learn that many of the students never had a chance to do. So I thank the Lord for that, but it really affected my life. In the fall of 1974, I, was, I went to Florida with a load of people on a bus for a, 
I guess you could say, a, a family conference they were having there. So we drove a whole busload of adults down there. And when I was there, Ray asked me one day, he says, um, he said, I got to go to the hospital and do some visiting. Would you like to run along? I said, yeah, I'll go. So we got in the car and we went to the hospital and he did some visiting there. And then he got through and he says, I, I got to do a funeral down in uh, Miami. He says, would you like to go along with me? Sure, I ain't got anything else to do. So I rode with Ray. We went down into Miami and we went to the funeral service. And he got up there and he, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And he gave the gospel. And I don't know, four or five people trusted Christ as Savior. And I don't know, about five or six more dedicated their lives to the Lord. And he got in the car and was heading back up toward Hollywood. But when we were coming through North Miami, he said, I want to go by here for a minute. And so we drove into the cemetery. And at the cemetery, we got to started walking. And he came to the grave of Jim Tengen. Jim Tengen is a story about a, a boy that we've told over and over again, I have for almost 40 years, about how he came to ranch, trusted Christ as Savior, and how God used him in a miraculous way. And Ray told that story year after year after year at camp. Well, now we're at the grave. And Ray started talking about Jim Tengen. And next thing you know, he started crying. And as he cried, this, he was about 60 years old at this time. And I've always figured out, I'm just 25 years younger than Ray. Whatever he is, I'm 25 years younger, because that's what I was. And next thing you know, he, he kneels on the grave. And then next thing you know, he's, he's laying on the grave, and he's in deep sobs and just bawling like a baby. He says, I'd give anything if I could just been just, just like him. Because there were other things going on in Ray's life. But at the same time, he knew he loved the Lord. He loved the gospel. He loved camp. He loved ranch. But he also had an era in his life that he didn't guard. And it was taking its toll. And he says, every time I taught the two natures about the new birth and the old birth and how they would fight, he said, I felt so ugly inside. I felt so guilty inside because I knew that I was teaching this and I wasn't living it. He said he knew that he was already defeated by the flesh. He knew that he didn't love the Lord as much as he should and he wasn't guarding his life. And he told me this later, and he was in tears. I was with him one time up there near Orlando. and was outside of this family's house. I don't need to tell you who it was, but we're sitting out there in the yard. And he looked at me, and he says, Yankee. He says, we had about $6 million in the bank. He says, we were going to get a radio station of our own. We could have reached the world. It was the fastest growing Bible college in the world. He says, and my decisions, he says, it cost me my family. It cost me a ministry that took me 25 years to build. He says, and I lost it all. He lost it all because he made some unwise decisions in his life. And I watched him drop to his knees and sob like a baby. Now, nobody else saw this. A lot of people said they've never seen Ray sorrowful, repentant, and all that. I have. I've saw it about four or five times, and he could not let it go because it bothered him because of what he, it cost him in his life. I told him one day, I says, Ray, I says, if I have a great big old diamond up here, if it falls off and it breaks, I says, it's still diamond. It's not as big and as glorious as it used to be, but it's still diamond. And as long as you've got a pulse, you've got a purpose. I says, you can't go back. You can't undo I says, but from this day forward, you'd be surprised what God can do for you and with you. So I watched all of that. 
And then one day, 25 years later, Ray was 85 years old. And when he's 85 years old, he calls me up and says, Yankee, would you like to go to Egypt with me? I says, yes. I said, I'll have to pray about it. Yes. It's like going soul winning with the great apostle Paul. So I went to Egypt with Ray. And I had just got out of the hospital on Friday from suffering with a bleeding ulcer. That Monday, two days later, on Monday, Betty is pushing me through the airport, me and my, her and my daughter, in a wheelchair. I'm on my way to Egypt. I'm in a wheelchair. I can hardly stand. And Betty and others told me, you need to stay home. I says, not on your life. I'm on my way to Egypt. Egypt is the last place to go when you've got stomach troubles. I assure you. But Ray and I, we rotated speaking. So some night, like it's on a Monday night, okay, I would speak first, then he'd speak. The next night, he'd speak first, and then I'd speak. And so we just rotate, but we'd speak about twice every night. We had an evangelist there who had come from Canada. So the first thing he says to us, now these people are very stoic. They, they do not respond good to humor. They don't respond good to an invitation. So I just want to let you know, it's not like it is in the States where you can tell a joke and they get it and you can ask them to stand up or raise your hand. All He says, they don't do that over here. Okay. I thought I need to find out for sure. So while I'm speaking, you know, you always have to have an interpreter. My interpreter is standing right here beside me. I don't know if the guy's telling the truth or not. I just hope he is. And I hope God will give him a bad case of hiccup as if he doesn't. So I would uh, start off and I would say a few things and he would say a few things and everything going along fine. But I'm still curious. Can they get humor? I told him, I says, um, now the pastor is sitting behind me. So I'm looking out at the people and they're all sitting there waiting for every word that I'm going to say. And I says, when I was born, my daddy says I was the ugliest kid in the world. Now people think I'm telling a joke when I say that, but it's not a joke. It's, it's what he did. I asked my mama later, I says, Mama, was I that ugly? She says, no, you weren't that ugly. <laughs> I said, well, how ugly was it? She said, well, when you were born, the doctor slapped me. <laughs> so he says he was going to put me in a burlap sack and throw me in the river and drown me. And, of course, my mama wouldn't let him do that. And I says, my daddy said I was the ugliest kid he'd ever seen in his life. I says, see, my dad had never seen your pastor. And before the translator said it, they laughed. I says, they got it. And so I knew they could understand, and they loved a little humor. So when he finally told them, the rest of them got it. And so I had a good time. Now it was a matter of getting to the invitation. So I didn't give him the gospel, went to the wall of the illustration, trying to explain how you can have eternal life beyond a shepherd out. And when I got to the gospel and gave the invitation, and I says, with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone at all? You say, yes, that made sense to me. And tonight, I will right now accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And preacher, I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? And hands went all over him. Probably about 400 people. The man was sitting over here, that evangelist. He stood up. He turned around and he looked. He couldn't believe it. He turned around and sat back down. And he never said another word. See, they didn't know how to make the gospel clear. But I learned that from Ray Stanford. I uh, had an opportunity to speak to some of the refugees that were coming out of Sudan. They were going into Ethiopia and had come through Egypt. 
they were fleeing for their lives. So they asked me if I would speak to these refugees. I said, sure, I'd love to. So there's about 400 of them in there. I had them in this one room, big old room. And Ray was speaking to somebody else. And so I was in there by myself. And so I gave the gospel, and a lot of them trusted the Lord. It was so neat. You could stand there and just, you just want to cry because it's so exciting. Anyway, it was over with, and I told Ray what I was doing. He said, well, I didn't have that many. He said, he told the guy, I want some of those Ethiopians too. So they got him another meeting with some more Ethiopians that hadn't heard me. And I bought a couple hundred of them, and they got them together. And so Ray spoke to them. Oh, he was in hog heaven now. And he had a bunch of those key people trust Christ as Savior. Well, right after that, you know, we'd go get something to eat. And Ray just, he, he wouldn't order anything. He wouldn't, wouldn't eat anything. He, he didn't want anything. And so me and Dr. Farouk, who was with us, and he said he came from the long line of the Egyptians, back to already to Pharaoh, Farouk. And that was his name. He, Ray led him to the Lord, playing tennis over here in Daytona Beach. And uh, he's the one that got us over there. So here we are, and you have Ray not eating, and it's, it bothers us. And so later on that evening, he, he didn't want anything to eat. And so the next day, he could eat something in the room. But then we got the next day, and he still didn't have anything to eat. So we thought we need to ask him because this is a problem. I said, Ray, you're feeling all right. He's 85 years old. He said, I'm just not hungry. I said, Ray, you're not eating. I said, no, you can't stay well if you don't eat. So then Dr. Fruit said, do you have any money? And Ray bowed his head. And no. Ray, you don't have any money? No. Ray, you came over with some money. What happened to your money? And Ray got teary-eyed. He said, when I saw those Ethiopians that had nothing, and they had been walking all this way. They didn't have anything. They didn't have hardly no food to eat. He says, I just couldn't stand it. He says, I gave him all my money. He gave everything he had. And we wind up giving Ray some money and so forth because you couldn't change the situation as far as what it was done, it was done. And Dr. Brooke told him, says, Ray, you can't do that. Everybody over here needs money. And even though you're, you're, you've got compassion on, and I thought... I'll just let him alone. Let him do whatever he wants to do. He wants to give it all away and then die of starvation. So what? So Ray, to me, was a great individual. We went to this hospital. And the hospital gave us permission to speak to everybody in the hospital. They were just glad that two people came and we were able to get into this big old hospital. And it's not as clean and so forth as the hospital we have here. But they was going to have me talk to all the doctors and the nurses. They had them all brought in. And so, and Ray was sitting there, and so they were going to have me speak to them. I thought, what in the world am I going to say to all these doctors and nurses? And you've got to have an interpreter. I hate it going through an interpreter. If there was ever the gift of tongue, God, give it to me. But anyway, I asked this one nurse right before we got there. <laughs> I went to her, I says, you know those nice big old white coats all the doctors wear? She said, yeah. I says, can you get me one? She looked at me kind of. Yeah. I said, I want one now. I'm a big guy. I said, I'm get me one of those white jackets like they wear. So she did. It was long, all the way down, you know, how they walk in, they're always looking. She gave me one. And so I had it sitting there. So I get ready to talk. I said, you know what? I admire doctors because of how much they know, what they can do. They can cut you open, sew you back, and all that kind of stuff, take out parts, put in parts. I mean, it's amazing. 
I said, I've always wanted to be a doctor. So I'm going to solve the problem today. I reached down and I put up on that white robe and I put it around me and I even buttoned it. And I said, now I am a doctor. Well, everybody knew that that doesn't make me a doctor. I said, some people think because they go to church that makes them a Christian. Some people think if you go into a a bakery, it'll it'll make them an angel food cake. Probably devil's food. So I said, you don't become a Christian just because you try to act like one. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.